0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. We're broadcasting live from Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, the site of the Pray Vote Stand Summit, which begins in less than two hours. And I've got some uh, good news for you and some even better news. We're almost at a point of closing registration because we're at capacity, but there are still a few spots. And uh, here's some even better news. It's not too late to join us uh, online. Go to prayvotestand.org to find out how you can join us. You can find all the information you need about this inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit at prayvotestand.org. In fact, coming up a little later, Pastor Gary Hamrick, Senior Pastor here at Cornerstone Chapel, will join me to talk about the focus of this inaugural event, Pray Vote Stand Summit, and why you want to join us. But first... They wanted to turn their failure into everybody else's crisis, playing risky games with our economy, using manufactured drama to bully their own members, indulging petty politics instead of governing. That was Republican Leader Mitch McConnell earlier today. The Republicans have offered a temporary raise of the debt ceiling limit, uh, which uh, we'll get the latest on that in just a moment uh, from Capitol Hill, from Senator, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Also, Attorney General Merrick Garland appears to have poked the bear on Monday. Garland announced that he was facilitating the claim of the National School Board Association That parents showing up at school board meetings demanding an end to the critical race theory indoctrination that's taking place in classrooms and mask mandates are, quote, the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism, end quote. The Department of Justice is launching a task force. I wonder what they'll call it. Schoolyard bully as they seek to intimidate parents. We'll talk about it later on Washington Watch. Also, Congressman Chip Roy, a member of the House Freedom Caucus, is here on his efforts to stop a provision in the National Defense Authorization Act that would require, require young women to register for the draft. In a letter to his Republican colleagues earlier today, Roy wrote, quote, I cannot in good conscience vote for any member of either body for any office, whether it be president, speaker, leader or otherwise, if that individual votes for the final NDAA, end quote. Congressman Roy joins us later. And finally, what does the vaccine mandate and the massive reconciliation bill have in common? Well, they could be setting us up for a near total government takeover of health care. How? Well, we'll discuss it with Nina Schaefer, policy expert with the Heritage Foundation. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, you can find it. All later, archived at tonyperkins.com. Also, let me remind you, coming up, the Prayvote Stand Summit. Check it out, prayvotestand.org. All right, after a closed door meeting with Republican uh, senators earlier today, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell issued a statement saying that they will, quote, allow Democrats to use normal procedures to pass an emergency debt limit extension at a fixed dollar amount to cover current spending levels into December, end quote. The stopgap offer would give Democrats more time before the October 18th deadline when the government is expected to default. With me now to talk about this and much more, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, who is a member of the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. She's also a member of the Armed Services Committee and the Judiciary Committee. Senator Blackburn, welcome back to the program. I think we just lost her. We're trying to get her from uh, Capitol Hill. We'll uh, get her back on in just a moment. Uh, Let me uh, go back to Senator McConnell earlier today on the uh, the Senate floor discussing the current situation. Play clip number four, please. These are the leadership skills of people who spent two and a half months doing nothing and then complain they're short on time. That is the attitude that has gotten Democrats a self-created inflation crisis, border crisis, Afghanistan crisis, and free-falling favorability with the American people. Now, let me explain what's going on here. uh, There's a debt ceiling, which we're only allowed to borrow so much money by an act of Congress. And so once you bump up toward that, and I think it's uh, $24, $25 trillion dollars, you have to raise the ceiling again. Well, here's what the Democrats wanted to do: they wanted to raise the debt ceiling without limit. I mean, unlimited. Now, consider the backdrop: we have a 1.5 trillion dollar infrastructure bill, we have a 3.5, some say 4.2, um, human infrastructure bill. That's the reconciliation, and they want they want Republicans to go along with him in raising this debt ceiling without limit. That's the problem. They don't want to own this. I think we've got uh, Senator Blackburn now connected. Uh, Senator, welcome back to the program.
2: Good to be with you. Thank you.
1: So, Senator, tell us, what is the latest on this offer made by the majority, uh, the the, uh, Republican leader to the Democrats for a temporary short-term
2: raise of the debt ceiling? Yes. You know, what they will have to do is come forward with the votes to deal with this. But uh Leader McConnell, in trying to move this along, he feels like that this is the best way for approaching this, keeping the government from moving into a, a default area. Um, and this is... This is his play, Tony, that he's going to push forward with. We will see what the details are going to be on this. But here is what we do know. The Democrats have not done their job. They've been kicking the can down the road. Uh, We're hearing that the House wants to roll everything into one vote. The infrastructure bill, the $3.5 trillion bill, the debt ceiling, take one vote. Be done with it. And of course, in order to do that, Pelosi would have to do her self executing rule and deeming trip that uh, trick that she will sometimes do. So that is the conversations that they are having. Of course, in the Senate, uh, Leader McConnell, as you know uh, very well, he is going to look at the long term and try to figure out what is going to be the best play for the country and for Senate Republicans. And that is what he has done with this. I'm sure that the rest of us will get the, the rest of the details as we move forward through the evening. the evening. I'm one of those. I'm against raising the debt ceiling. I am against giving the Democrats more money to spend. I do understand that the federal government has to have a mechanism for meeting their obligations. But a part of this ought to be the Democrats being forced to spend less. This business of three and a half trillion dollars, which is more like five trillion dollars, on top of all the money that they have already spent this year, figuring out a way to handle the debt, to handle the foolishness that they have exercised and how they have shown disrespect for hardworking taxpayers, that is something that needs to be brought to an end.
1: Uh, Senator, I understand one of the issues here for the Democrats is they could do this through reconciliation without a single Republican vote. But if it goes into the reconciliation bill, they have to assign a number to it. There has, they can't have an unlimited debt ceiling raise, which they're trying to get the Republicans to participate in. Two factors to that. One, there is some limit, but two, if in reconciliation, they have to put a number. Whether it's, you know, up to 30 trillion, 35 trillion, whatever they pick, they own that number. And I think politically, they know that that's not good for them.
2: Well, you're right about that. And they do need to set that number. This business of Janet Yellen saying, oh, just to do away with the debt ceiling. This is ridiculous. The American people deserve to know what they're on the hook for. And Having the Democrats assign that number is important because you have to look at the fact that they did 1.9 trillion in COVID relief. Their infrastructure bill, which is, as we know, not about infrastructure, which most of us did not support that. That's at 1.2 trillion. And then you've got Bernie's budget, three and a half, more likely five. Trillion dollars. So they need to own the number of whatever it is that they're wanting to spend, and they need to level with the American people. This business of saying that it doesn't cost anything, that this $3.5 trillion bill doesn't cost anything is that is a lie. That may turn out to be the lie of the decade. You're right. It is an insult because they're going to raise taxes. They're going to raise taxes on um, people that are hardworking, lower income. There's that nicotine tax. Uh, They're going to raise marginal rates their numbers are not going to work when they say, oh, only people that have an income of $400,000 or more. Well, if you've got a couple and they own a small business and they're bringing that in through their income tax filing, you know, they could be bumping up against that number, even though they're only clearing say $50,000 a year. So what we know is that the Democrats are trying to, in one vote, turn us into a socialist nation. They want government control of your kids, of your health care. They want to look at your bank account for every activity that is over $600. Think about this. And they're not going to give any any wiggle room. So they need to own whatever it is they're going to do. I'm a no vote. I'm not going to help them with a single solitary thing.
1: Well, Senator, before we run out of time, let me move to another outrage, uh, and that is one I think the Attorney General Mary Garland has uh, poked the bear on this one. You were in the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday, and the Deputy uh, Attorney General Lisa Monaco Uh, You went after her based on the Justice Department now saying they're going after parents who show up at school board meetings as if they were criminals.
2: Oh, it is. uh, This is one of those things. Mama bears and mama grandmother. uh, Grandmother bears (laughs) come out on this one, Tony. This is the most absurd thing. Yes, it is Turning over the names, the names of people that show up to engage in accountability with the school board, to find out about mandates, masks, to find out what their children are being taught or the type indoctrination that is taking place. I am so pleased that parents are showing up at these school board meetings and are challenging elected officials. These are people that are accountable to the people that elected them. And parents are going, hey, wait a minute. We don't like Zoom school or we don't like these mandates or stop teaching the 1619 project. Teach 1776. Stop teaching CRT. Stop telling my child they're an oppressor or they're a victim. And people are just, they're showing up So school, the unions, the teacher unions sent this letter to the White House and DOJ. So then they get this memo from DOJ to the FBI to start going after parents, treating parents like they're domestic terrorists. It's it's
1: outrageous. 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 Senator, we're out of time, but uh, I know we're going to talk more about this uh, in the coming days. Thanks so much for being with us. Stick with us, folks. We're back after this.
3: With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Join us for FRC and FRC
0: Action's inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit. In light of the growing opposition our culture has expressed against biblical principles and to the truth of God's word, we've launched Prayvote Stand Summit to equip and encourage Christians to respond to this opposition from a biblical worldview. We will address issues such as protecting the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, domestic and international religious liberty, developments in our nation's education system, and more. We see the need for the restoration of a biblical foundation in our nation and the necessity to equip Christians to effectively engage the culture and understand current events through a biblical lens. Join us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, from October 6th through the 8th for the Prayvote Stand Summit. Register online at prayvotestand.org slash summit or by calling 877-372-2808.
4: More than ever before, Christians need to be grounded in the truth of God's word and be prepared to articulate them in a winsome manner. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview. To understand why scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. Access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions.
1: back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. We are broadcasting live from Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, where in uh, about an hour and a half, we will begin our first ever Pray Boat Stand Summit. Uh, there's still time. If you're, uh, if you're within driving distance to get here, we'll be uh, starting tonight, all day tomorrow, and uh, all day Friday to find out how you can be a part of it. Even if you can't get here, you can join us online. Go to prayvotestand.org. All right. I just had this. I just had this thought during the break, and uh, I'm going to take a, a, an informal survey. But as I was talking with Senator Blackburn about what's happening in our school board, I, I'm really outraged about this. I, there's few things that, I mean, there's so many outrageous things that happen. Not much really gets me worked up, but the arrogance of the attorney general to respond to this National School Board Association letter, basically equating parents who go to school board meetings saying, stop this indoctrination of our children, that they equated them to domestic terrorists. I know a little bit about terrorism. I worked in anti-terrorism. Uh, our organization has been the victim of a domestic terrorist attack. I know a little bit about it. Mothers and fathers who care about their children aren't terrorists. They're called good parents. And, and, and I'm, I'm you know, as I talked about Mary Garland poking the bear, I, I'm interested. Would you join a million mama bears? I'd like, to, I'd like to get a million mama bears that will show up at these school board meetings. And uh, if, if, if you like, if you think that's a good idea, I tell you what, email me. Email me, tony, TonyPerkins.com. We'll talk about it. All right. I got to move on. Congressman Chip Roy of Texas is urging his fellow Republican colleagues in the House and Senate to vote no on the National Defense Authorization Act. This is an annual must-pass piece of legislation which funds the military and has a lot of uh, provisions in terms of policy. But what was stuck in it this year is a, to force women, young women, to register for the draft. So in a letter he sent today to his colleagues, Congressman Roy warned that if any of them vote, for the annual military spending bill, as it now stands, they will not receive his vote for president, speaker, leader, or any other position of leadership. Joining us now to talk about his effort to keep his own daughters from getting drafted is Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. He represents the, first, uh, the 21st Congressional District. He's a member of the Freedom Caucus. Congressman, welcome back to the program.
5: Tony, great to be with you. I wish I was there in person. Uh, Would love to be there. You know, I I went to high school about eight miles up the road in uh, Percival. Leesburg is the home to my rival high school growing up. So I grew up spending a lot of time down there. Got my driver's license in the courthouse down there. Let me just say before we talk about the NDAA, could not agree more. Love the idea of a million moms getting fired up about school boards, taking our schools back. We have to win the culture war. So I hundred percent agree what the attorney general is doing is shameful. I've got a letter going out. We'll try to pressure to get him in front of the judiciary committee for hearings, but uh but obviously we want to talk about the NDAA.
1: Yeah, let's talk about it because you've you've taken this on. We worked with you, we uh, our sister organization, FRC Action, scored the vote in the House about seventy-three, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe a few more Republicans voted against this, but you've thrown down the gauntlet saying if yeah. if you vote for this. You won't get my support in any position of leadership. What's been the response to that?
5: Yeah, well, it's obviously sent a little bit of a shockwave around. I mean, people don't typically do that, but I feel so strongly about this. Uh, I do have a daughter. She's 10 years old. Uh, but more importantly, this is not the way we should be doing business. The National Defense Authorization Act should not be a Christmas tree for a wish list of leftist priorities that then Republicans just dutifully surrender because they want to say, oh, well, I guess I've got to vote for it because of the soldiers. Look, our men and women in uniform, they don't sign up to defend our country only to have us sell it down the damn river just because they are, uh, you know, wanting to make sure they're getting their pay raises. But that's exactly what Republicans are doing. We had two-thirds of the House Republican conference vote specifically to uh, pass the NDAA, despite having a red flag provision in it that would take weapons away from our service members, but importantly, draft our daughters. And the excuses we use range from, oh, don't worry, there'll never be a draft, to, oh, well, if there is a draft, don't worry, they'll never be put in combat. But yet, Tony, these Democrats right now can't even say pregnant women. They say pregnant persons. They don't see a difference between men and women. And so if you think for a minute that they're not going to cause our daughters, our granddaughters, our sisters, our mothers, our wives to be put in foxholes because they don't see any difference between men and women, then you're crazy. And a lot of my Republican yes. colleagues are playing into this because we, quote, have to vote for the NDA. So I've said, look, if you vote for it,
1: I'm not voting for you for leadership. So you're, you are absolutely correct, because we, we've, we've got to stop making this miscalculation that they see the world the way we do, that we see that there is a difference between male and female. I mean, I was just reading an article on the way over here about uh, defending the fact that men could be pregnant. I mean, this is insanity. It's where we're gone, where we've gone as a culture, but we're being driven there by the democratic party that has all of this basically in their party platform. So when they say these things, we need to believe them. And they are blurring the lines between male and female, and this only takes it further. There is no limit to the, uh, to the depth that they will take us.
5: Well, Tony, God bless you and FRC for scoring this important bill. I'm concerned women did as well. Uh, I think we need more Americans to understand and know what's going on. They, don't, they just really haven't grasped that if this bill is signed into law that will include the provision that requires our girls, our daughters, our women to have to go sign up for selective service, that they're going to get a card in the mail when they're 18, and they're going to have to go sign up for selective service. And uh, the American people need to know that, and they need to uh, make sure their members of Congress on both sides of the aisle hear that the American people do not want this.
1: Congressman Chip Roy, thanks for fighting the fight, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Congressman Chip Roy of uh, of Texas. Let me just add why this is important. Now we've not had a draft since uh, Vietnam. I I volunteered as soon as I came out of high school. I, I joined the Marine Corps. I'm I'm for women joining the military. I mean, some people don't like that. I don't have a problem with that. I, if my daughter, one of my daughters, wanted to join, I'd be thrilled. But not made to join. And my concern with what's happening with our nation's military, with all of this radical social policy, these mandated vaccines, we're going to see very shortly, we're going to see a crisis in retention and recruitment, and the draft could be back. And then we're going to have our daughters drafted into an environment that is completely, totally hostile to traditional values, not to mention our sons as well. All right, folks, stick with us. When we come back, we're going to be looking at the reconciliation bill and the vaccine mandate. What do they have in common? Well, they could both be moving us toward government takeover health care. How? We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. We're back with more after this.
7: But struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start. Or how to understand and apply what you've read. Or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's Word is necessary in our lives. So much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread. Because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's word, by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. That's frc.org Bible.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. By the way, you can get your own stand mug, 15 ounces of pure USA ceramic. Go to TonyPerkins.com and find out how you get it. Get your own stand mug. All right. The uh, price tag aside, the Democrats' uh, 3.5, 4300000000000 trillion dollar social spending package, their human infrastructure, has a lot that Americans should be concerned about. In short, House Democrats have taken President Biden's first-term domestic policy priorities and dropped them into one big gigantic, 300 about 2,465 pages. And while some of the items put forth in the bill are clearly concerning, there are some that could be easily overlooked. We've talked about a few of those, about doubling fines for OSHA, uh, which could uh, be the uh, the mechanism they go after private companies that do not force vaccinations. Uh, but one such point of concern is the health policy agenda which could be paving the way for a single payer system for health care i saw this piece that uh, our next guest wrote and it really clicked for me because i've been wondering what are they doing with this mandate they're creating a crisis in healthcare with this vaccine mandate because you're seeing all of these healthcare workers fired this kind of adds up with what's in this reconciliation bill. Joining me now to talk more about this, Nina Schaefer. She's a senior fellow in health policy at the Heritage Foundation. If you'd like to see her article, it's at TonyPerkins.com. Nina, welcome to Washington Watch.
8: Thanks for having me. All
1: right. Lay out what is in the reconciliation bill that you think will lead us toward step-by-step step, toward this uh, single-payer government takeover of health care.
8: Well, certainly I think that liberals have learned that talking about single-payer or government takeover of health care is not very popular with the American people. So what they have been doing is really um, scaling back the rhetoric on what they're trying to do and really trying to hide their agenda by making um, policy changes through the reconciliation package. In particular, what's most concerning for me is the creation of a new public option or a government program um, uh, for certain individuals who live in states whose states did not expand the Medicaid program. Well, that seems very targeted. Oh, we're only looking at a small number of states and a small number of people. But what it really does is it puts in place the building blocks and the infrastructure that is needed to expand government's role and government's control over the healthcare system. And I think over time, the incremental turning of the dial is what's really going to move us to um, a, a full blown government run healthcare system over time.
1: So when we talk about a single payer system, a term that's used out there, we're talking essentially about a government run healthcare system where the government calls the shots.
8: Absolutely. The government sets the rules. The government can tilt the rules in their favor and the government executes what it wants to do. It may have the facade of what people think is of of health insurance. There might be a private health insurance banner on top of it, but the person that's really or the the instrument that's really driving what the underlying uh, benefits are is the federal government. And I think that's where policy kind of hits the road on this, because now we are turning our healthcare decisions over to federal policymakers Rather than the doctors and patients themselves making healthcare decisions for
1: themselves. Kind of like what's happening with the vaccine, where the vaccine is mandated and it's not a decision made between a patient and their doctor.
8: That's right. Centralizing decision making right out of Washington and then executing what they think is right for us across the board.
1: So, Nina, a crisis could help expedite this. Single payer government takeover of healthcare once the system is in place. And when I read your piece that these building blocks are contained within the reconciliation bill, a light bulb kind of went off trying to figure out why are they creating this crisis? I mean, we're already, we already have a shortage of healthcare workers, shortage of nurses. New York on Monday, 1400 fired from the largest hospital system in New York. That's just one state that implemented their own mandate. Once the Biden mandate goes out across the country, we're going to be looking at a major, major crisis in our health care delivery system.
8: Well, they think that the solution is just throwing taxpayer money at the problems. They're not learning from any of the mistakes that, ha- that they have pushed um, for decades now. And most recently, you know, the push with Obamacare. We're still dealing with the fallout of that with rising premiums, less access to care. And instead of recognizing what the root causes of the problems in our healthcare system, which is less choice, too much regulation, this administration and this Congress is saying, let's just throw more money at the same problem, and we'll just um, fix it somehow on the back end through government rules and regulations.
1: Alarming. Uh, there's so much packed into this uh, 2,500 page uh, reconciliation bill. I, it's well, you know, it, it's it's appropriate. We're talking about health care. It reminds me of Nancy Pelosi in the first Obamacare bill where she said, we've got to pass it before we know what is in it. Uh, I'm grateful that there are those that uh, are combing through this to find all the different uh, red flags that are uh, contained within this legislation. Nina, thanks so much for uh, joining us this evening.
8: thanks
1: for having me. All right, Nina Schaefer, to find out more, as I said, you can read her piece at uh, TonyPerkins.com. There's so much packed into this reconciliation bill. This is what's so bad and dangerous about public policy. And I know um, there's been pushes in the past. In fact, most states, when I was in the state legislature, you could only have one item in a piece of legislation. So you had to have a single issue. You couldn't have 2,000 different issues in one piece of legislation because this is the, this is the problem. They sneak stuff in. They hide it in there. And, you know, it, it, by the time you find this stuff out, uh, it's, it's almost uh, too late in many cases. All right, don't go away. Uh, pastor Gary Hamrick, senior pastor here at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, the site of the Pray Vote Stand Summit, joins me next. Stick with us. For more Washington Watch.
3: Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically, one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to influence public policy and culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders. In weekly Biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns will have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving interns the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Is real biblical masculinity
0: lost forever? In this culture of gender confusion, there are too few examples of godly manhood. So where can men, husbands, and fathers find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength in this culture? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous
3: event near you at StandCourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text Stan to 67742. Again, text Stan to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know.
1: All right, welcome back to Washington watch. As I mentioned, we are broadcasting live from Cornerstone chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, which is the site of our first pray vote stand summit. Now for those that, uh, have been listening for a while, you know that we've had annually the values voter summit, but we, we changed this year. Uh, actually we transitioned last year because of COVID. We did it virtually. Uh, but we, uh, we really want to lean into the source of our strength. You'll notice that the, uh, I close every program with uh, Ephesians six thirteen, to stand. And in Ephesians 6, chapter uh, chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And when we wrestle with all these political things that we've been talking about here, these policy things, they're real, they're significant, they're important. But the source of our strength is in the Lord. And so we believe that the church stands at this pivotal moment in which, yes, we've got to be engaged. I'll never tell you we shouldn't be engaged, but it starts with prayer. It starts with that foundation, pray, vote. But we should vote our biblical values, and then we must stand for biblical truth regardless of what may be the outcome of any election. That's our calling. Our calling is our allegiance should not be to a party. Our allegiance is to the truth, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, for that reason, we have uh, we've shifted to this Pray, Vote Stand Summit, and we've shifted to doing it not in a convention center or a hotel, but rather in a church. And we've got a great partner uh, that I've known for a long time. I've been able to I had the privilege of speaking in his church a number of times. And that is Pastor Gary Hamridge, senior pastor here at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary, welcome to the program again. Thank you, Tony. It's always good to be with you. Well, and I, I want to again thank you for hosting uh, the Pray Boat Stand Summit here at your, your church. Beautiful facility and uh, just grateful for your partnership. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry. And you've got a mug there. That's I do. Stand I, uh, mug. I know. And that's going to be yours. my
9: throat, so thank right. you. So uh, it's a privilege always to partner with you, Tony. I thank God for what FRC is doing, and uh, I just feel like I'm kind of along for the ride. But, you know, it's important for the church to step up and wake up and get engaged. So I'm, I'm proud to host this tonight and the next couple of days. Um, our prayer is that Christians will really rise to the occasion and make a difference in our culture. I know sometimes it can be, you know, a little discouraging because we want to see more progress. And I try to remind people, look, you know, we have to remember this is not heaven. And so we're working out things on earth until Jesus comes. But he calls us, you know, to to be salt and light, and to be a part of what he wants to do in our world. So I'm excited for the church to be engaged with with it this year.
1: Now, I, I'm trying to think when we first connected, it's probably been 10, 10 or more years yeah. ago. And um, you know, we've we've had a chance to visit. I've I've had the privilege of preaching to your church a number of times. We we hosted a actually a pray vote stand town hall meeting right. uh yeah. back in February, I think it was. And um you have you really taken some public stands. uh when a lot of churches closed down, you were open. Um and as a result, your church has exploded yeah. in growth. Yeah.
9: Yeah, we've seen people have a real hunger for, uh, let, me, let, me, let me say it this way. The more the culture has veered in one direction, then we've seen people have a real hunger for somebody tell me the truth. Right. Somebody t- I got an email last week, a guy in our congregation, and he said, Gary, he said, I just said to my wife, and we're raising four daughters, that it's good to come to Cornerstone to know we're not going crazy. And I thought that his sentiments reflect a lot of people, which is that when they hear all of these weird things and uh, the redefining of marriage, redefining of gender, all of this stuff that's such chaos and nonsense that people need to come to church just to know I'm not going crazy because I don't embrace those things. And so, um yeah, I have felt like a passion to help people understand
1: what the truth is and for them to know they're not going crazy. That's so important because What's happened in our culture? It's, it's, it's turned upside down. Yeah. And so there, there has to be an anchor point, something we can tether to in, in the truth. And, and here's, I see this happen. I've, I've watched this unfold over the last decade as the legacy media, not, at first it became indifferent toward a, a, a Christian or a biblical worldview. Now it's hostile. And so, if you're a Christian out there, just like this this guy raising his four daughters, everything they would see on TV would be counter to what they know to be truth. And I'm, I'm even talk about like Fox News. Fox News won't cover this from from a from a, and, and I'm not saying they would be biblical, but I know I used to be on there, and they allowed me to talk about those things, but not anymore. Wow. And so, if you're out there as a Christian and your worldview is never affirmed, you right. feel like you're alone. That's right. And and with so few churches, and there there are a number, we're building that number, but sadly, not many pastors are actually preaching the truth. Now there are some good ones out there, yeah. and we 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 work with them and we're grateful for them. We pr- I pray for them. Yeah. Um but we need more of them that will preach the truth, the word of God, so that people know that they're not going crazy. Yeah. The world is well, a mutual friend of ours, Jack Hibbs. Who will uh, be
9: here. He's Jesus, one of our speakers tomorrow. here tomorrow night. Yeah, Jack told me, he said, Gary, you know, one of the good things that has come out of COVID is some churches that yeah. needed to close have closed. <laughs> yeah. And I agree with him. Um, it's sad. It's sad that, you know, you can't look at every church and say they're teaching the word and they're standing for truth. Um, and so for people who are looking for that, they're looking for the Bible, they're looking for truth. They're they're starting to flock to, to churches like yeah. ours and others. They are. And I and I
1: hear it. I hear it. when I travel around the country, people will have seen me here and they say, Oh yeah, I, I, I yeah. watch Pastor Gary, I watch Pastor Jack. They're looking for truth. Yeah. And it's you know like Jesus said. When Jesus invited people to follow him, he didn't say, Hey, go get your picnic basket and let's go have some fun. Yeah. Right. He said deny yourself, right. take up your cross, and follow me. Yeah. And I think w- we have taken Christ's call of commitment, mm-hmm. and we've we've watered it down to where it's meaningless. And so why bother? Yeah. And so those who truly want to follow Christ are looking for the churches who will stand as a beacon of light in a land that is growing increasingly dark. Yeah,
9: yeah, totally agree. And, you know, I take comfort in and men that have gone before us, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You know, he said silence in the face of evil is itself yeah. evil. Yeah and God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. And so now there's a cost though. I mean Dietrich Bonhoeffer lost his life. He was, you know, executed by by the Nazis in nineteen forty-five, I think it was. And so there's sometimes a cost, and we have to count the cost too, like you said, mm-hmm. take up your cross. You know, it's there's a cost
1: to all this. But Paul said to, to live is Christ. That's right. To die he is came Yeah. And and when you have that type of orientation, you know it's all good. Yeah. That's it's right. all good. Yeah. Because if we live, we're, we're glorifying Christ, we're pointing people to it. And and I this is what really bothered me during the, the COVID with a number of the churches and, and Christian and, and some Christian, not, and I got to be careful because I don't want to paint everything with a broad sure. brush. Because right. I am so grateful for the churches, and there are many churches that that opened, stayed open. Yeah, many Christians who lived boldly. But we shouldn't be afraid of all people. Yeah. We should not be afraid. Yeah. And so when we saw this virus, churches, you know, hunkered down. They closed uh-huh. their doors. Christians were afraid to come out of their homes. And look, I don't minimize it. My daughter is an ER nurse. Who worked with yeah. COVID patients? I know we've lost seven hundred thousand people from yeah. it. It's serious. I understand it, but to live is Christ, to die yeah. is gain. Right. And so, in the midst of a crisis, when we can live with confidence, then we can point others, people, at, as Peter said, give them the hope, the reason for the hope that's within us. Yeah, that's right. COVID and culture. <sighs> yeah. Those
9: things have caused people to have a lot of fear, to to have a lot of instability. And I've
1: got a vaccine for both. Yeah, well, good.
9: Jesus. And by by the way, there's no vaccine passport to get to heaven. That's
1: right. right. News bullet. I like that. (laughs) Was that Sunday sermon? No. No, I just came up with that now. (laughs) Hey, well, by the way, folks, let me uh, me give you uh, some information about the Pray Vote Stand Summit. Pastor Gary Hamrick's my guest here. He is the senior pastor here at Cornerstone Chapel, which is the host of our Vote Stand Summit. And the, one of the reasons we're here, not only because of our friendship, but because you just happen to be at the epicenter of yep. one of the biggest issues. And even yesterday, well, actually it was Monday, the attorney general, you know, as I talked about earlier, poked the bear by saying that, uh, They're going to launch a task force into parents who are going to school board meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, demanding that this indoctrination stop. That all started right here in Leesburg, Virginia. And also, to go back a little further, started right here because one of the guys who uh, is actually going to be, speaking tanner cross the pe teacher that stood up in a school board meeting goes to church here that's right and it was because of your preaching he was emboldened to stand up yeah and the doj i think this is the same thing you referring to the doj has now said that these parents who are so vocal
9: are considered domestic well donors.
1: the, the to, to be
9: totally accurate what,
1: well this is what the national school board Association, wrote a letter to the president, and they are the ones that equated these parents to domestic terrorism, asking for the Department of Justice to step in. So in essence, the Department of Justice is giving credence to this claim by the School Board Association that these parents who are exercising their constitutional rights and biblical duty, I might add, to look at what their children are being taught are being treated as if they were criminals. Right? Yeah, and and by the way, not to cut you off, no, but it's my radio. Show. That, yeah, <laughs> it's yours, not so mine. But the uh, they didn't cite any evidence of violence or anything. They nothing, right? Nothing. It, it's just an attempt to intimidate.
9: That's all this is. It's it's a strategy to intimidate, to silence the voices yes. of Christians like us who really yeah. want to speak up for truth. And and here in Loudon <laughs> County, actually, a, a circuit court judge yesterday. Uh, said that a, the recall petition had to go forward for one of our school board members. We got enough signatures to recall one of our school board members and we're working on others because of these policies that they are enacting. And so the judge has paved the way for that to move forward now. So we're, we're hopeful for some change around here.
1: Well, and that's going to be the focus of uh, several panels that we have during the day here at the Pray Vote Stand Summit. We'll have uh, a number of teachers that have uh, either um, you know confronted this, some have been removed from their yeah. positions. We have some that have been fired. They're going to be here and be a part of this. We've got a great lineup of uh, speakers. We'll be starting tonight at 7 pm. And uh, let me just give you, give our listeners a little bit uh, a sense of what will be happening tonight. We'll have former congresswoman and presidential candidate Michelle Bachman. She will be here. Uh, We'll have Senator James Lankford and Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. Uh, They both will be here. and We'll be having a conversation about what's happening on Capitol Hill. Uh, Pastor Andrew Brunson, uh, who was the pastor who was imprisoned in Turkey, and I had the the privilege of going over and uh, bringing him home. Uh, He'll be here. Pastor Gary Hamrick will be closing us out tonight, bringing us around home and uh, and closing us out with the keynote address. Uh, Tonight, Uh, tomorrow night, as you mentioned, we'll have Pastor Jack Hibbs will be here, Bishop Vincent Matthews, Mission President, Church of God in Christ. Oz Guinness, best-selling author, will be here. Al Robertson, host of Unashamed with uh, the uh, Duck Dynasty, uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Uh, We'll also be, uh, I think we'll be hearing from uh, Senator Josh Hawley of uh, Missouri. So that's uh, tomorrow night. And then Friday night. Uh, we will, uh, we'll have, uh, let me get, to, let me get to Friday night. We'll have Ali Stuckey, host of, uh, Relatable. We'll have, uh, Daryl Harrelson and Virgil Walker, uh, Congressman Michael Waltz of, uh, Florida, only Green Beret, uh, elected into, uh, to Congress. Pastor Amado Wezar, he is the, uh, you may—I don't know if you recall him—but he was—he's uh, South Bay United Pentecostal Church in California. They were one of the churches that would not close down. They yeah. initially closed, but the Lord led them uh, to to open back up, and they've got an amazing story of uh, of literally a story of, of someone who a gang member who gave their life to Christ the day before they were executed by another gang. Wow. Um, it was uh, really an amazing story. Uh, and they actually won a lawsuit against the state of California, and, and the state of California had to pay them. Also, Pastor Carter Conlon, over general overseer of Times Square Church, uh, will be here. And uh, so got a great, great lineup. That's just in the evenings. So I'm trying to wonder day. how I made the A-list. I mean, I listened to those uh, names. Oh, look, brother. Those I've, are some I've heard incredible you preach. preach. I've heard you preach. Uh, and then we, we've got panels on international religious freedom, We've got panels on the, the vaccine, uh, critical race theory, what's happening in our public schools, what's happening in our military. Yeah. So we're covering the, uh, the landscape over the next uh, 48 hours, and it's going to be a really, really good summit. So, folks, if you can get here, jump in the car and start driving, I'll save you a seat. If not, if not, you can join us online at stand.org. And again, Pastor Gary, thanks so much for uh, hosting us. Look forward to the next two days. I look forward to it too, Tony,
9: and what the Lord's going to do as a result of this time together. So thank you for for bringing your team here and and for running this great program. We're just glad to host it.
1: Well, and you've got a great team here at the church. Uh, great great group of people thank to work you. with, and we just uh, so appreciate you and what you guys are doing here in Leesburg, Virginia. So folks, there's still time. Uh, clear your schedule and be a part of this first Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. You can find out more by going to prayvotestand.org. Again, on the website, uh, a schedule that has a list of the various uh, topics that we're going to be discussing uh, and when you can tune in. And then, of course, in the evenings, we'll be starting each night, 7 o'clock. We'll be starting with worship. Um, so I, I tell you, there's nothing beats worship. And uh, in fact, in the Old Testament, before they went into battle, they worshiped. So we're going to be worshiping yeah, tonight. Our team is ready to go. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get in there. Good. Folks, thanks for being with us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand. By all means, keep standing.
0: At one 372 7234 That's one 372 7234